0: Welcome to this edition of the Football General Manager Podcast. My name is Aaron Thomas, also known as Native Seahawk. And thankfully, (laughs) we are getting closer and closer to live NFL football. August 8th, couldn't get here fast enough as we're nearing the end of July. And let's get into some news and notes for the Seattle Seahawks and the team around them. We're going to start with Seth Walder he in, uh, on ESPN.com has said that Tyler Lockett, our own wide receiver, was number one last year with air yards above expectation with only 70 little targets. He beat out the likes of DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, and Julio Jones. So of course it begs the, to, to answer the question, do the Seahawks give Tyler Lockett more targets? You know, at 70 targets, he was the only one out of the top 10 that had less than 100 targets. DeAndre Hopkins had over 100, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones. Those guys get targeted quite a bit. And, of course, with a run-first offense, you wonder how many passing attempts will Russell Wilson even do every single game. And you think about it. You know, if, if this is a different scheme and you got Tyler Lockett in Kansas City where, you know, the, he's going to get over a hundred targets, you know, would that still fit the, the, the mold in Seattle? And I still continue to, you'll hear me throughout the entire podcast today, talk about air yards and passing attempts and explosive plays. But yet we got to remember that the team will win when they run first. And that drives a lot of us crazy, like, man, how come we're not using Russell Wilson to the best of his ability? And why aren't we targeting Tyler Lockett more, et cetera? Well, those footballs are not in the air. They are given to the ground game. And so, again, we'll see how it goes in Seattle if they're going to give Tyler Lockett more attempts. And you figure that number is going to go up just because, you know, Doug Baldwin's not there. And the Seahawks are still looking to make sure that they have a number one wide receiver with Tyler Lockett. And so I imagine that his targets will move up into the 80 and 90 percentile there, or 80 or 90 plus targets going into 2019. Our own friend Liz Matthews was reporting that Doug Farrar did a ranking of quarterbacks for this coming year and has your own Russell Wilson at number three and only behind Patrick Mahomes and Drew Brees. He says, quote, Wilson was the NFL's most prolific and efficient deep passer last season with 15 touchdowns and just one interception on throws 20-plus air yards or more, end quote. So again, even though we know that this is a run-first team, a lot of the pundits around the NFL have deemed Russell Wilson as a top five quarterback, which is one of the ways that you get to the Super Bowl. You don't have to have a quarterback that's going to throw thirty-five or more attempts per game and have to give you three hundred yards and, and three or four touchdowns per game. You can have a quarterback that's efficient. I think that's the really the huge key that we're talking about with those Seahawks when you have a an efficient. Quarterback, Someone that's not going to turn the ball over, who's going to hit the target that's downfield and, may, and kind of uncap the defense while they're trying to play up and, and play against the, the line anticipating the run. So it's an interesting thing again. I think that about five or 10 years after this run, we're going to have all kinds of folks analyzing the way that Pete Carroll and John Schneider has uh, created the scheme and uh, the talent around the scheme. And they're going to say one thing that they, they were very, very meticulous and detailed on what they wanted and what they needed. And I think that's one of the, the, the three or four things that we're learning again as we continue to watch the Seahawks squad. In other news, Ian Rappaport is saying that the New York Giants have suspended safety Cameron Moore, who was arrested this last week on third degree aggravated assault. I put that in this because, you know, uh, last couple weeks I was kind of worried that man, this is the time of the year where the players just just seem to find themselves in trouble. You know, they go out and they party, and like a lot of us do. But you know, we're not NFL players, and you would figure, how come they don't get themselves an Uber? <laughs> Instead, they're trying to drive their you know hundred thousand dollar Maserati, and they get you know a DUI or they get themselves in trouble. And here's one example. And there wasn't that many this offseason, thankfully, as uh, the NFL training camps are getting back underway. It's great and refreshing to see that a lot of the NFL players are definitely making sure that they're keeping their nose clean and and trying to stay uh, out of the limelight. Uh, in a bad way. So, unfortunately for the Giants, the, one of their players did not follow the, the norm, I guess, and, uh, is, is definitely going to be suspended this year. In other news, uh, Adam Schefter reports that some of the franchise players were, were signed over the NFL. And I wanted to bring this to all of our attention just because thankfully none of our guys on the Seahawks squad was included in the franchise tagging this year, and that 's always such a, a tricky thing and The franchise tag of course, is where the the, the player gets uh, gets tagged essentially, and they, they instead of getting uh, maybe what they think they should be getting they 're only going to get the average uh, salary and depending on which position, some of them, if it's an average salary of the top 10 players in their position, some of them, it's the top, uh, the, the average of those that are, that were picked in the same round as them. It just depends on the player and the, and the, uh, the position that they're in. But, uh, the 49ers, of course, had a franchise tag on kicker, uh, Robbie Gould, who received a two-year, ten and a half million dollars, fully guaranteed contract and Pro Football Focus has him ranked the fifth-highest-rated kicker in the NFL. And again, we'll be seeing Robbie Gould a few times this year, and uh, hopefully they'll be using Robbie Gould more than uh, for field goals and not for extra points <laughs> in San Francisco. Defensive tackle Jarrett, uh, Grady Jarrett, did get a four-year, $68 million contract, and he just signed right before the franchise uh, deadline. And so by signing, uh, Jarrett, these, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, created $4 million in cap space. And so they've got about $10 million left on their total, uh, you know, contract, their, their caps, the, the, the limitations that they have. They've got about $10 million left in cap space. And so Grady Jarrett, again, we looked at, Grady Jarrett, just because how does that affect Bobby uh, Wagner, and how does that affect Jaron Reed? And you know, according to uh, John Clayton this week, he was talking about the fact it does affect Jaron Reed more than it does Bobby Wagner, just because Jaron Reed is coming up. He's got his last year on his contract. A lot of us want Seattle to go out and just sign him before the uh, training camp gets over this year, so we don't have to have that as a question mark. But uh, you take a look at the numbers and the data, does support that uh, Jaron Reed, uh, you know, he he had kind of an aberration year last year, ten and a half sacks. You know, a lot of us are wondering how much of that was affected because the offensive linemen were in the scheme that they were uh, employing was really trying to make sure that Frank Clark didn't get around the end. And now that you don't have Frank Clark on the team, how does that affect, uh, uh, Jaron Reed? And so uh, I like what, uh, what John Clayton talks about. And, you know, don't, don't pull the trigger on Jaron Reed yet. Uh, maybe, you know, if he's, uh, gonna, you know, gonna have to prove it this year that he can, can get at least six sacks. That's what Jar- uh, Grady Jarrett had last year. And, you know, he, he didn't perform as well as, uh, Jaron Reed in terms of sacks, but his quarterback pressures were higher than Jaron Reed, and that's kind of what I think that that this team is looking for. Not so much the the lineman that can going you know, all the way get to the to the quarterback and make sure that he goes down. Of course, that's what you really want, but I think that this team would be happy to have quarterback pressures. Because the Seahawks really employ, uh, a really good man to man, um, coverage. And if you've got a quarterback that's, you know, being hurried and because somebody is right in their faces from, you know, right in the, uh, the middle of that defensive line then you're going to you know, throw the ball out there and maybe one of the defensive backs can intercept it or, or deflect it. So um, that's going to be an interesting thing to, to look at this year as we talk about the players and their contracts. The only one that didn't get signed before the franchise tag was uh, Je- Je- uh, Jevion Clowney. Uh, Clowney was a $15 million tag is what he got. Uh, and of course he's looking for 20 plus million, uh, per year. But, uh, the fact that the Texans don't have a general manager and that Clowney has a history of injuries, Uh, has really slowed that process down. And, but, uh, some interesting note there. The NFL Players Association may be filing a grievance over how, uh, Clowney was tagged as a linebacker slash defensive end, not just a defensive end. And that would, uh, not give Clowney at least another 1.69 million if he was just tagged as a defensive end in Houston. In other news, pro football focused Seahawks has Trey Flowers' run defense, his grade against the run at 90.4 last year. That is fifth amongst all qualifying defenders. And again, that's another big key. We're going to need Trey Flowers uh, not only to develop. It looks like he's got his run defense developing and developed. Now we got to make sure he's got his pass defense developed. And that'll make him one of the top ten defensive backs in all of the NFL and make us really forget about that number 25 guy that used to play in that same position. Another news, Yahoo Sports. Uh, talked about this week uh, that golden tate former seahawks wide receiver says matthew stafford was the best quarterback he's ever played with <laughs> oh goodness golden tate why are you do you put your foot in your mouth and i i, I want to really i brought this to uh, put this in this podcast this week just because a you've got to remember that there is has always been tension between a few of the former Seahawks who are no longer with the team and Russell Wilson and you know it all points back to that one sports illustrated uh, article that came out uh, a few years ago i think it was the year before all the the Legion of Boom guys left but, you know, it, it's, it, I, I think, uh, what Mike Salk was talking about last week in terms of, you know, is there a trend here? Or, or do we have to be worried that, that the team is always putting Russell Wilson in this different category and that Russell Wilson doesn't have a bond with all of his players? And now that we got all these new guys, how does that affect the team? And I, I still think that if it ain't broken, don't fix it. You know, some of the guys like Golden Tate, Michael Bennett, uh, Doug Baldwin... Uh, Richard Sherman, of course, number one, they wanted a, uh, you know, to have their franchise quarterback with them when they went to barbecues and, you know, some big key moments maybe in their own family's lives and, you know, some people getting married or, or whatever. They wanted that, that camaraderie, that, that bond. You know, you saw pictures of Doug Baldwin and Marshawn Lynch and, and, uh, Cam Chancellor, you know, hanging out at a bar, you know, and, they, I think that's what all of this is coming back to. But, of course, a lot of us know, and I can say this on this podcast, but, you know, Golden Tate, you know, there was always that rumor about him and uh, Russell Wilson's ex-girlfriend. And the rumor was that they, you know, had sex, that they were, uh, you know, screw buddies <laughs> and that uh, she was uh, really in that Russell Wilson found out about it. And, uh, decided not to get mad at Golden Tate, but he separated from his girlfriend and moved on into much greener pastures, of course, uh, with Sierra. And so I think that this is just another way for Golden Tate that, you know, and maybe, maybe there's a 1% chance that Golden Tate was like, well, I was really just trying to t- speak about my, my, my good friend in Detroit, uh, you know, with Matthew Stafford and not so much against Russell Wilson. But I I don't think that's true. I think that if you look back at his his career and the numbers he got, the only reason why Golden Tate... Uh, was able to secure a big time contract in Detroit was because Russell Wilson threw him the ball and got it to him in, in key moments. And if it wasn't for Russell Wilson, Golden Tate would be another Jermaine curse, so to speak, kind of bouncing around, you know, not getting these top uh, wide receiver contracts. And now that he's in the the big the Big Apple. I don't know how Golden Tate's going to, uh, survive that media market to be quite open with you. I think, uh, Golden Tate is, uh, you know, and then he got that, the fact that he's got Eli Manning throwing to him. I mean, is that a, a plus? Is that going to be better than Russell Wilson? Hell no. So we'll, we'll let, uh, his win-loss record this year play out for himself as he uh, digs himself deeper as he always does. In other news, Liz Matthews is reporting that Lance Zerling reported this week on his list of uh, Rookies of the Year and has DK Metcalf in the top 10 at number seven. He says that look for DK Metcalf to be a candidate that even though Kyler Murray tops the list, that DK Metcalf is a deep threat and has tons of capabilities in that scheme in Seattle, and I I don't think Kyler Murray is going to be the r- rookie of the year this year. I think that the offensive line in Arizona is in shambles. I think that they, you know, they're going to only going to get three wins this year is what I'm predicting. And to have uh, Kyler Murray, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to throw him under the bus he's got tremendous capabilities but you know Russell Wilson had tre- tremendous capabilities but he also had smarts and he also you know was the first one in last one out you know no 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 time to sleep you know he was always you know looking at game film and taking notes and giving uh, other players on the team the notes after the game i mean that's how deep Russell Wilson was into it because that's what he had to do he had to grind And we'll see if Kylo Murray will be that same kind of a quarterback going into this year. I don't think it's going to happen. In other news, uh, the Seahawks had their rookie camp this week. And of course, a few guys uh, ended up on the physically unable to perform list or the pup List And again, that basically designates a player uh, to kind of it's a it's gives the team flexibility on their roster to be able to pull in other guys if you know, some guys are not unable to go and that they can be taken off the pup list at any time. So it's not like they have to stay out of training camp for the rest of the camp. Uh, but it also if for some reason, these injuries linger, these guys that I'm about to talk about can actually uh, be placed on the pup list. Uh, to begin the season, and they'd have to miss six games, unfortunately, which we don't want, but safety, Marquise Blair has a hamstring issue that just hasn't gone away, and even uh, during the mini camps that he was out of, of that, which was back in May, in June, and so a um, little concerning there, because Marquise Blair, a lot of us have him projected as a starter uh, this year, or at least making a, a tremendous impact on special teams uh the uh, guard Phil Haynes, who's again another possibility at uh, a guard in Seattle, had a sports hernia surgery along with linebacker Ben Percurvin, both of them are were out uh, because they had the these little sports hernia surgeries i've had that that 's not fun. I mean to have a, a hernia being you know you have to basically go in there and tie your your, your uh your stomach back together <laughs> that's what it feels like uh but they'll recover they'll be fine and then guard uh, Dem- Dem- Demetrius Knox who later in this podcast will talk a little bit about uh how he could be a key player this year which I didn't even think about until now uh, had a foot injury and then defensive tackle DeMarcus Christmas was also put on the pup so again the 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 team is getting back together this week, which is great they 're going to have all the veterans along with the rookies on tuesday july twenty uh, fourth and so uh, next week we 'll talk a lot more about what to look for and, and what what we heard out of training camp there in Renton. In other news, profootballnetwork.com asked the question, what's the value of a running back? You know, you got Melvin Gordon and Zeke Elliott that may not play this year because they want, uh, you know, extensions on their contracts. Um, in the fact that, you know, most teams can replace the production of a star running back, you know, that, that they employ three running backs. And so you can, you know, get the the production out of, Three guys instead of just one and at a fraction of the cost, especially if a lot of them are, are rookies. And I, you know, you think about that. I will, you know, answer the question, what's the value of the running back this, these days is it depends on the scheme. You know, if you've got a a run first offense, then I think the value of the running back is tremendous. But if you're like the, the Falcons or if you're like the Chiefs, where the running back is just sort of to give the the quarterback a a rest <laughs> then you know the value of the running back goes down and you know especially if you know also the scheme in t- inside the red zone if you're going to be a run first team at the 5 yard line and everybody in the in the stadium knows they're going to run Then the value of the running back and the value of the offensive lineman are, are key. You, 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 you're going to run the ball. So you need to, to be able to do that. And so, um, you know, I, I wonder about that, you know, what the, the future is of the running back position. And I still think it's going to continue to be based on scheme. And in Seattle, we definitely have the value. Chris Carson's going to get paid. You know, he's not uh, up for a contract yet. But when he does, and if he stays healthy, I still think he's going to get 1,400 yards this year. Uh, he had a little over 1,100 last year. Uh, but if he stays healthy with that, the way that this the offensive lineman, uh, you know, who we got, Iapati, and a few other guys that are run-first um, offensive linemen. Then, of course, uh, and it has to work out. You have to have a, a run. You know, if you're going to value the running back, you're going to have to also value the offensive lineman in front of them. Uh, and if they're just pass protectors, and they don't know how to maul guys down and and go to the second level and maul a linebacker or a defensive back that's there waiting to, to make the tackle against the running back. You got to have it both. You can't have a, a pass-oriented offensive lineman and then a really big back. You gotta have the, the, the both too. They both have to work hand in hand. So an interesting question there, uh, posed this week. Another news. Russell Wilson threw nine touchdowns and one interception on scrambles last season, leading the NFL in passing touchdowns and touchdowns to interceptions dif- differential. So that's pretty big. Again we really don't want to see Russell Wilson scrambling for his life. I think a lot of the reason why he's not as fast as he used to be is because he gained a bunch of weight, uh, muscle mass, muscle mass. He, you know, had to, he was like, Oh, I'm going to be scrambling for my life. I want to make sure that I, I can make it to the next week <laughs> and not be on the injured reserve list. And so you know, early on in his career, he was quick and fast and he could outrun anybody on the field. And, uh, but this, this, statistic that he had nine touchdowns and one interception on scrambles last season. And the second best was Mahomes at six touchdowns on scramble. So you can see that, you know, it's interesting how statistics are being able to kind of paint better pictures in terms of what kind of value the players bring. And Russell Wilson, of course, has always been a magician, uh, friend Tarkenton kind of a guy that can get out of trouble where you thought, oh my God, he's going to get mauled and someone's going to chop his head off. He somehow magically escapes and is able to, uh, look, keep his eyes downfield and be able to throw a great target, uh, to somebody down the field. So. Interesting note there, uh, and again, I hope that Russell is more of a pocket passer now that he's kind of getting into his mid to to final phases of his career. Um, I think that uh, you know he's got. I think he's probably a little bit right before mid midway through his career, but you don't want your quarterback scrambling. You just don't. You want to be able to protect him as best as you can. And teams nowadays that uh, they're employing this two-step th- and throw. Type of of offense where they're okay with you know getting it out in open space like a DK Metcalf who's big, you know if you just throw it high enough at you know with after maybe a three step drop or two and a half two and a half step drop, um, you can get the ball out of the quarterback's hands so and you won't have to scramble. And so I think you're going to see that a lot. I think that's what the Rams did last year with uh, Jared Goff and why they got all the way to the Super Bowls because they really dumbed down their playbook and uh, got the ball out of Jared Goff's hands and not let him try to make something happen and instead get it out to your receivers who should have the ability to either juke a defender or just physically get past them. And I think that's what's going to happen in Seattle this year. In other news... Sport, uh, SB Nation on Alstair Corp, uh, reported this week and, and asking who would be this year's training camp darlings as the Seahawks get ready to get back into, to full swing in Renton. And he named a few players here, which, uh, we want to keep our eyes on. And I'm going to be talking about ways to come with me to the training camp this year and the dates that I have a ticket for you if you want to come with me. Uh, but we 'll be looking at some of these guys that are on the field. Jazz Ferguson is a very compelling uh, athlete as a wide receiver. He was undrafted free agent this year, six foot five two hundred and twenty seven pounds. When was the last time Seattle had that kind of a player on their team, Chris Matthews, maybe uh, in the Super Bowl. remember he made those really cool catches against the Patriots. But, uh, Jazz Ferguson is, came out highly rated, but just didn't get drafted this year. Uh, Dem- uh, Demetrius Knox was the highest rated guard, uh, coming out of college, but he got injured right before, uh, the, the bowl games and it wiped out his chances of getting drafted. And so he played with Jamarco Jones, who is an offensive lineman in Seattle in college. So he gets to be connected back with him. And that'll be interesting to see if uh, Knox makes this team because he's so highly rated. But again, he was injured and, and we just talked about him being on the pup, uh, the physically unable to perform, uh, because of a foot injury. So. Again, uh, that's the one thing about the NFL. If we just if these guys just were robots and they they were made of steel, uh, who knows where how how high the ceilings would be for these guys? Derek Thomas. That's interesting that we have a guy on our team named Derek Thomas. You guys remember the the linebacker out of Kansas City and how many sacks did he get against uh, David Craig back in that one game? I think it was seven in one game. Uh, anyway, Derek Thomas is a wide receiver turned cornerback. And is trying to make this, uh, squad here in Seattle. So he's come kind of somebody to be taking a look at. Justin Johnson is a tight end, but he's no, no normal tight end. He's explosive is what they're saying. 235 pounds. Holy macro. That's a big tight end. And so take a look and make sure you watch out for Justin Johnson who could be in Seattle as a tight end. I don't have him on my roster. Uh, as I looked at and forecasted this year, uh, but I think that when you got guys like Will Disley and Ed Dixon and, uh, you know, Ed Dixon, I guess is, is still going to be my, my wild card. I like Ed Dixon a lot, but you know, he's kind of getting long in the tooth. And, you know, I think another team would probably go out and get him like a, a Saints or, uh, even the Patriots would come back and get Ed Dixon if we let him go. But, um, as Seattle tries to get younger, I wouldn't mind uh, seeing a guy that's explosive and takes up a lot of space as your tight end, especially if he's really good against the run and being able to block um, for Chris Carson on the end. That'd be something to look out for this year. JT Tooley is an Eastern Washington University standout defensive tackle. He was a Big Sky Player of the Year last year, 340 pounds. Holy mackerel. The Seahawks sure like to to find these uh, these guys that are gigantic, and uh, you know try to make a uh, basically a nightmare for the offense or defense, depending on who's playing against us. In other news, field goals, Mookie, Mookie Alexander, and he's uh, reporting that Sports Illustrated predicts Seattle with eleven and five uh, win loss this year. That's exactly what I had as their record. Uh, 11 wins and he says that uh, the Seahawks are deep in spots on their roster which is good that they're going to have to do really well in prime time in the first half of the season against the Saints against Pittsburgh if they're going to have a chance to uh, take 11 wins but they do have the Rams at 13 wins this season I have the Rams at 10 this season. So we'll see what's uh, over and under there is within uh, Los Angeles, but they also got the 49ers at eight wins this year. And I predicted the 49ers at three wins this year, but both SI and myself both have Arizona at three wins this year. So that'll be interesting to find out how the, the, the win losses go this year. And again, I think the NFC West is one of the top, uh, I guess, uh divisions in the NFL only because you got the Rams and the Seahawks who are both sort of built alike and they they're both very physical teams and you know I think the Rams took a step back you know they lost a, a few of their big time uh players on the offense and defensive line uh and of course in San Francisco if Jimmy Garoppolo goes then possibly the Niners go but it's that defense that they they're saying the defense is pretty good you know Nick bosa who's a rookie uh has no experience in the nfl is he going to be a top five defensive end next year or this coming year no i think that in about two or three years once he really gets to understand the speed and he's not going up against college uh, offensive linemen anymore you know he's got to go up against uh, some of our guys uh twice a year uh, on the offensive line so we'll see how that goes and how that plays out All right, uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about the training camp and how to win. Uh, I thank you for the ones that have um, already done the drawing uh, or put their name in the drawing. And how you do this is you go to my email address at powcom, P-O-W-W-C-O-M as in Mary, at gmail.com. And all you got to say is I want to be entered into the the training camp uh, uh, drawing. And I will do a drawing on the next edition next weekend because the first... Uh, the first, uh, training camp that we're going to go to is Friday, August 2nd. That's coming up very fast. And so, uh, also Monday, August 12th and Thursday, August 15th, with the, which is, uh, season ticket holder day on Thursday, August 15th at training camp. I'm a season ticket holder. I'm thankful to, and blessed to be able to be one. This is my 14th year, I want to say. Let me see, 2005, yeah, was my first year. And so, um, I want you to come with me. I want you to take a look at what you think is uh, the makeup of this squad. And it's just a fun time. It's just a great time for Seahawk fans to get together. And so next week, we'll talk about news and notes, especially coming out of the first week of training camp, full training camp for the Seahawks. We'll talk about the training camp giveaway again and uh, some other key dates and notes from around the Seahawks squad my name is Aaron Thomas, aka Native Seahawk on Twitter. And, uh, again, hopefully you follow me on Facebook, uh, in, you know, the football general manager podcast. Just type it into the search engine. And you can find me there, uh, in, on Facebook. And, uh, you know, I want to give a shout out to my Seahawks booster club. We had a really good uh, meeting on Friday and we get, we're getting ready for fan fest coming up here in literally, I live right next to the Silver Reef Hotel Casino Spa. In Ferndale, And that's where FanFest is going to be this year. And uh, if you don't know what that is, you want to type in some information and, and figure out where all the Seahawks fans from the state of Washington and British Columbia are going to be, then come on over. It's going to be uh, at FanFest. Just type in FanFest in Google, and it'll take you exactly where you need to go to get tickets. And I know the tickets are selling out fast, so make sure you get yours before uh, time is up. Uh, so yeah, and I'll definitely be, I think I'm going to have a a special edition of this podcast at FanFest this year and talking to a bunch of, of, of Seahawks fans, you know, where's this team going? Um, who are they most excited to look for and who are they, you know, wanting to be able to, uh, to watch this year and who is our biggest nemesis? That's what I want to find out going into the 2019 season. All right, guys, have a great, great day and, uh, go Hawks.